the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kiran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. This week we are talking all about marketing careers and headhunting. My guest is Adam Nichols, the director of Roslyn David, the Marketing Headhunters. Adam, welcome. We've got to start with what is a headhunter? Hi, good morning. Um, a good question. So uh, we define ourselves as headhunters um, purely because we are, I mean, we operate in the same space as a typical recruitment agency. But the reason that we lean on this word headhunter so much is it demonstrates the proactive nature of what we do. So uh, typically a, a, a company that are looking to hire or a recruitment agency that are looking to hire for a business for one of their clients, they might put a job advert out and be reactive to those job applicants coming in. But as a headhunt mm -hmm. firm, we go to whole of market, not just the market of candidates that are kind of actively looking for a new role. Um, and we go and proactively headhunt those people. So we contact them and say, I appreciate you might be completely happy in your role, but we've got an opportunity that's offering X, Y, and Z career opportunities in this package, in this location. Would it be of interest? So we kind of go and uh, hunt those heads individually rather than waiting for the talent to come to us. How do you find them? Because I'm sure that's the first question that everyone's going to want to know. How do I get on a headhunter's radar? Yeah, so um, the backbone of our work is is LinkedIn from a network perspective. So I'm connected to 34,000 odd people in terms of the following that I have. And most of those are people within marketing. So anything from a marketing exec all the way up to kind of a, a board level CMO or VP of marketing. Um, and a lot of the time it's just reaching out to those individuals on LinkedIn and saying, you know, hi, Sally, I can see that you've done X, Y, and Z at so-and-so company. That's really of interest to me because I'm currently looking to help X company hire this particular role. So a lot of it is kind of outreach on LinkedIn, um, which for me uh, is made slightly easier by the fact that I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So I've got a mm. relatively decent size following and touch wood, I get some decent engagement when I'm posting out on LinkedIn as well. So uh, a lot of the time people have in the marketing space in the UK have either heard of me or Roslyn David, which kind of softens up that introduction. So it's just about reaching out to those individuals and kind of letting them know that there might be an opportunity out there that not, not necessarily is going to blow their current role out of the water. But, you know, most people have got something they'd like to tweak or change about their current role. It might be the salary. It might be some of their responsibilities. It could be the flexible working. They might have hit a glass ceiling. So it's just about letting everybody know what's out there really and then helping them make decisions on whether to move forward or not so what i found interesting there was you said everything you're linked to people through a marketing exec through to sort of um, chief marketing officers i would have expected headhunters to just be looking at that very senior level but that sounds like you actually look across the way yeah we do i mean typically we are our our methodology comes to life at the more senior end um, I think LinkedIn for kind of uh, people, kind of marketing exec, marketing assistant, junior marketing manager, maybe even marketing manager, LinkedIn can be quite a noisy place. Um, mm. So at, we're more effective at that more senior end of the spectrum. So that kind of senior, that kind of marketing manager, senior marketing manager upward is where we really come to life. But we do work on the roles that are at the more junior level. But sometimes it's just a little bit harder because those marketers in that salary bracket of kind of 20k to 45 they're really highly sought after so they're getting countless messages even a day or about new opportunities so a lot of the time 
especially if someone's quite happy in their role, they'll just kind of think, I'm just not going to even look in my inbox because it's just people trying to, you know, ping ping roles to me and internal recruiters and I see job adverts all the time. So sometimes the more junior end of the market isn't as receptive to the headhunt approach. Um, but we do kind of work on both ends of the spectrum. That's a really interesting point. So, so clients come to you because they've got a role that they want to fill. So in, in that way, it's like a sort of um, more how we think about recruitment, but then you are looking at this wider talent pool. Do you ever advertise jobs or do you always have people sort of up your sleeve? Um, we don't advertise roles as, as purely because the administrative, we don't need to, and it doesn't come from a place of arrogance. What I mean is the administrative time we get back from not posting job adverts, we can then reinvest that time into the actual headhunting, which is what we charge our clients for. So for example, uh, we used to run job adverts or three or four years ago, and I specifically remember working on a scientific marketing role for a scientific marketing agency in Cambridge, um, who I shan't name, but they are very specific about the fact that anybody in any role within their business must have a scientific degree. And I remember putting a job advert out and I said right at the top of the job advert, please only consider even reading this if you have a scientific degree because you kind of need that just to even get in the door kind of thing. I can't remember exactly how I worded it. It was a bit more formal than that. Um, <laughs> and I think I got 70-odd applicants, and I don't even think 10 of them had a scientific degree. And I then had to go back, because we don't believe in automation here in the way that we communicate. Everything is personable and tailored. I then had to go back individually to every single one of those candidates, and it took me hours. And we've just we've just found that the headhunt approach is more effective, it's faster, and you're accessing the whole of market in terms of the talent pool rather than that twenty or thirty percent that are kind of actively looking for a new role. Okay, so there's sort of two elements that I want to look at. One is what employers are looking for in marketing, and we'll come on to that in a minute. But what do you look for as a as a headhunter? What what springs someone out in, on LinkedIn? And I do find it interesting that it's seasonal now around LinkedIn. What springs yeah. up somebody on LinkedIn that makes you think, oh, hang on, I'll I'll remember them for a future role? Um, I think the LinkedIn of old used to be your LinkedIn profile is all written and geared written around and geared towards the target market of your employer. So I, I used to work for a bank and all of my LinkedIn profile was a bank about what I can do for customers and what the bank can do for customers, etc. And I think now, and quite rightly so in my opinion, individual people's LinkedIn profiles should be more about who they are and what they do as individuals. So the LinkedIn profiles that I always think look the best and the ones that I remember are where people are demonstrating who they are what their skill sets are, where they've seen success in their career in terms of achievements, whether it's SEO or PPC or paid social or brand strategy or comms or whatever, but making sure that that is all clear on your LinkedIn profile, all the way from the, the kind of the overview profile box at the top, but equally, specifically when you're looking at roles that people have worked at in companies, I like to see profiles where it says, Yes, I worked for Google or I worked for Facebook or wherever, but this was what I was tasked with and this is what I achieved during that time at that company. So making it more about you as an individual. So think of your LinkedIn profile really as your online CV or your shop window, so to speak, and make it about what you do and who you are rather than the company that you work for. That's kind of the way around I always like to see it. Are there specific skills or experience and things that you always sort of catch your eye? 
Um, it depends on the project that I'm working on, to be honest, because, um, you know, marketing is, is very broad um, and you've got lots and lots of different things that marketers can do. I've po I post about that on LinkedIn quite regularly about how, um, you know, some companies are advertising for a generic marketing executive and they need them to have done every element of marketing. And that's an entire marketing department, not an individual person. Um, so I think it, it depends. But I also think that in terms of the way that you, a marketer, would optimise a web page from an SEO perspective, I think marketers also need to make sure they optimise their profile. So, like, for example, if you were a social media person or social media manager, I would expect to see the word social media appear several times on your profile. I'd also expect you to talk about the different social media platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Um, and then also even as far down as the technology you've used, you might have used Sprout Social or Sprinkler or Brandwatch or something like that, but making sure your profile is as optimised as it can be for the area of marketing that you're in. So just listening to that, I'm thinking you have you yourself have to be very, very au fait with what's going on within the marketing world and how the marketing world is changing, because you've got to know yeah. what buzzwords to look for, what platforms yeah. people might be using, what technology they might be using. Mm, yeah, and, and that's something that we pride ourselves on as a marketing specialist. So um, a lot of recruitment agencies in Cambridge and in other parts of the, the, work, the country and the world are kind of generalist recruiters where they'll recruit a, a, an IT infrastructure person at the same time as recruiting a, an HR manager and an SEO specialist and a sales executive. And, mm -hmm. and I've always sort of thought, I only want to focus on one area so I can know as much about it as possible. So if you ask me about the HR trends or, you know, software development, I wouldn't have a clue. You know, it, I, I, I'd like to think I'm relatively knowledgeable on marketing because I'm talking to marketing folk eight, 10 hours a day and have done for, you know, eight years. So, um, yeah, it, it, is, it is important to keep up with trends, but not, not only when it comes to searching, but also consulting with the hiring managers and the companies as well. You know, letting them know that, you know, yes, you might need a Marketo expert if you're looking to, you know, bolster your marketing automation efforts. But if you're looking at Eloqua or Pardot or any of the other automation platforms, they all are very similar from a user interface and user experience perspective. So you could consider someone who's used a, a different type of software. And that usually tends to land quite well when we're getting briefed. So we try and be as consultative as we can using that expert knowledge that, that we've acquired over the years. So, um, this is a question that I get asked a lot by um, by learners and also by tutors. How do you keep up to date with all the new thing that's coming in? Because it's one of the biggest problems in marketing. There is so much and it changes so quickly. How do mm. you keep up to date with all of this? That's a really, really interesting question because we can't... I, I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on marketing. I, I can talk at kind of a top level from a marketing perspective. Um, but it's just about talking to candidates and looking at CVs and looking at job specs and talking to marketing directors and VPs about their team and what they're trying to achieve. Um, I would say a lot of the knowledge I get comes from the brief from the client. So, you know, that we've got come, we've got clients on our books that are two or three people. We've got clients that one of our biggest clients is $70 billion turnover globally. And I have the privilege of sitting with the VP of marketing for Europe for that company and uh, they tell me what they're trying to achieve with their marketing. And when I get a brief on a role from an individual of, of that calibre, I'm, I'm, I'm scribbling down two or three pages on a, of, of A4 notes, and then I collate those notes, and that's how I learn, because I'm always hearing about what their plans are 
for the future in marketing, not necessarily just what they're doing now. So I think that's where I probably get a lot of my knowledge from. Thank you. So um, that brings us on quite neatly to what employers are, are looking for, because you obviously mentioned the job role and the job specs. How do you feel the industry is going? What sort of things are employers looking at? Um, I think the, the obvious one is digital. So um, I, uh, when I started kind of eight years ago, I would say the split of roles between kind of traditional offline marketing and digital marketing was kind of maybe 50-50, maybe slightly more in favour of digital back then. And now I would say 90, 90, 95% of the roles that we work on have, a, have quite a strong digital focus. And I think, again, not trying to come off as a marketing expert here because I, I wouldn't class myself as a marketing expert, but I think the reason for that is because all of the, the digital elements of marketing, whether it's search engine marketing, whether it's pay-per-click, whether it's paid ads, paid media, social media, you know, email marketing, CRM stuff, it's all really easy to demonstrate where you're, not easy, but it's easier to demonstrate where your leads are coming from because it's all in a system. It's not like you run an event and then you wait for the phone to ring. It's it's a lot easier to demonstrate what parts of marketing, from parts of digital marketing are working for your business and then really lean into those. So the biggest trend I think is that digital has become more and more prevalent, but equally digital marketing as a kind of a job title has also become a hell of a lot more fragmented over the last few years because you've now got mm. specialists within a specialism rather than, you know, back when I sort of started in my marketing recruitment career, you might get the odd SEO manager or the odd social media manager, but generally speaking, the digital marketing person was just a digital marketing manager. That was their job title. And now you've got, I could probably reel off 20 or 30 different digital marketing job titles now. So that's probably the biggest change, I think. So one of the things we see a lot um, running a marketing college is that people are getting, you use the word fragmented, but it, it becomes very specialised, very, um, you can end up going down a sort of silo area of being, well, I'm an SEO specialist. Mm. Um, is that a good career thing to do or should one try to be a bit more generalist, particularly when you want to be more senior? I would say it depends what you're trying to achieve. And I, I, I always say to everybody, whether you're whatever career you're going into, whether you're someone coming out of college or you're doing a career change in your 40s or your 50s or your 60s, you've got to start with something that you enjoy um, and then begin kind of your career based on that because, you know, you're at work for a long time, many hours of the day, and you've got to be doing something that you enjoy. I suppose the pros and cons to answer your question more directly around whether you should kind of go down that siloed route is if you're excellent at, at one specific thing, for example, SEO, and you love it, you live and breathe it, and you're excellent, and you've got all of the data and all of the achievements and the results to show that, you're going to have a really, really, really strong career. But if you get 10 years into that SEO siloed career, and you want to then backtrack and go down a different marketing route, that will become more difficult, particularly because during that period, you will have climbed the ladder, your salary will have increased, and you would have got to a certain level in kind of the marketing hierarchy. So it's hard to move sideways into a completely new area of marketing that you might have knowledge in, but you might not have any demonstrable success. So what I, I, the, the best marketers that I've seen that do end up more siloed is they start broader first, 
And then with the experience they gain, they end up going a little bit narrower over time. The other thing you, you raised there was um, people changing careers and perhaps um, changing careers in a later stage in their careers. Is that a possibility? I think you still hear people saying, oh, I can't possibly change jobs. I'm in my mid 50s. Nobody's going to be interested. Um, is it is it still open to people to be able to change careers or develop their careers at that later stage? It, it is it is possible, but it's hard for obvious reasons. You know, whether, whether we like it or not, um, unconscious bias is a thing. And I think a lot of the time ageism does fall into that unconscious bias column where people aren't outwardly being ageist. But if they've got a, a list of, of people that they're going to be interviewing, they might favour the younger person because they might assume that person is more driven, etc., etc. It does happen a lot. Um I think it's hard to do on paper. So if you're an individual who is, you know, in your 40s or your 50s or your 60s and you're looking to completely change career, I think the best way to do it is to get the potential employer bought into you as an individual first rather than trying to do it down the classic job advert route. So my advice, I, I ran a, a, a program in the pandemic called the Job Search Gymnasium and that was a kind of a consultation um session for individuals looking to change career or in their marketing career and wanting some help. And one of the things I found that I said most commonly is that if you're looking to change career, whether it's into a role you're similar to the one you're in or you want to change completely, you have to get your personality and get that personal contact, that personal touch as early on in the process as possible. So my biggest piece of advice by and large was if you see a role you like the look of, don't click apply, go and find the person on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is, is the most prevalent place for marketing folk, doesn't work in all industries, but go and find the individual and contact them, record a video, send it over to them, send them a voice note. Don't just, you know, click apply and hope your CV lands in front of the right person. Try and get that personal touch in. So I think for people looking to make a career change, if you've got a lot of knowledge and expertise in a particular area, um, chances are you're quite charismatic and personable and you know a lot of stuff. So try and convey that and what better way to do that than being personable. That's kind of my overarching piece of advice, I think. Thank you. Um, the other thing I wanted to look at was, um, and I said we would, we would look at what employers are looking for. And you have a, a talent attraction guide, um, mm. which is how employers should, what employers should offer to gain the best candidates. Um, and obviously that also means it allows candidates to know what they sort of things they should be looking looking for. So can mm. we talk a little bit about what's the best way to attract talent? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, we, a lot of recruitment companies put out kind of a salary survey each year, um, which as a piece of marketing collateral is great because it's branded and it gets people to know what's in your space and, and gets it's, it's sort of a value add for clients and candidates alike. But that's done and it's done quite commonly so we wanted to try and be a little bit different and we came up with this idea of a talent attraction guide so going back to what we said about us being headhunters we tend to get drafted in uh, when either a company has tried that traditional job advert style of recruitment and it hasn't worked or they just aren't even going to bother with it because they want us to go and headhunt the right people so this talent attraction guide kind of is exactly what it says on the tin it is a guide of how to attract the best talent so it talks about um you know, what you need to put into your job adverts, what you need to ensure that you have, you need your ducks in a row before you even go out to market with the role. So you need to understand the salary that you should be paying, why you're hiring the role, how bought in is the hiring manager into the process. And, you know, in, it's even down to small sort of organisation logistical things like making sure you've got diary slots in place for interviews. 
you're not going to be leaving it two or three weeks between interviews. There's a hell of a lot in there about the process. Um, there's It's not really a guide for kind of what candidates should be looking out for other than to say the best job adverts are the job adverts where it's the company telling the candidates or the applicants what they're going to potentially get out of the job. So rather than it just being a job spec, which unfortunately is what most companies do, a job advert needs to sell the opportunity to the candidates, not just be a, you know, we are Rosslyn David and we need X, Y, and Z. If I was going to be putting a job advert out for an opportunity here, I'm going to be talking about the culture. I'm going to be talking about the flexible working. I'm going to be talking about the Booper Healthcare. I'm talking about the unlimited holiday that we offer. And I'm selling the role to the market rather than saying what we need and making it all about us. Um, so they're probably the best job adverts that I think we see. Is it a, a candidate's market at the moment? So you feel that companies have to sell the role or do you just think it's good practice? I think it's good practice. I think that I, I, it's weird to say it depends what you mean by a candidate's market, because in theory, on the one hand, the candidates are always going to be in charge because they're the ones with the talent and they're the ones that are needed by the companies. But mm -hmm. then the other edge to that sword is that it's a company's market or a hiring company's market because they're the people with the checkbooks who pay salaries. So for me, I think that that is more of a kind of a, I think there's a seat at the table for both parties um, because you could be the best company in the world, but if you're, you know, your recruitment practices are terrible and your job adverts aren't very good, you're not going to have access to the best talent. So I think it's, it, it needs the right candidates and the right job adverts and opportunities at the right, same place at the right time. Out of curiosity, when you are approaching people on a company's behalf and um, coming to them and saying, well, I think there may be a role here that you might be interested in, what often persuades people to move companies? Because are there trigger points where you go, aha, got you? Or are there, is it not quite as simple as that? Um, a lot of it is how we convey the opportunity. So uh, on a weekly basis, we get messages back from clients that say, Thanks for the message, Adam. To be honest, I'm quite happy in my role, but the fact that you have written the message in the way you have has piqued my interest and I'd like a chat. And that's because a lot of the time we're very open and honest about who we're recruiting for. We're very open and honest about the salary and the package offered. Whereas I think recruiters who perhaps don't have as much success when they're trying to headhunt, they'll just sort of pop into Sally's inbox and say, hi, Sally, I've got an opportunity in Cambridge that's a marketing manager role. Do you want to have a chat about it? Thanks. And I always sort of think knowledge is power, really. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I always put as much information about the location of the role and the working flexibility, the company, the opportunity and the package, all in that initial outreach. And that tends to work quite well. Yes, I can see if something comes in that's very specific, um, you mm. are more likely to read and, and be interested. So is there something within that, do you think? Is it always salary or is it actually extra additional benefits? Is it because people think a role is particularly interesting? What do you think really makes a difference? Um, I think with marketing people specifically, good marketers know that they're good, going back to what I was saying about the demonstrable achievements, especially with digital. So I think the, the opportunities that are the most appealing are where a marketer can go into a business and make a difference. So, you know, a, a role where it's, you know, for example, you know, X Limited are looking for their first internal social media manager or, you know, they've outsourced their marketing to marketing agencies over the last five or 10 years and now is the right time for them to bring that marketing in-house. 
So when you're laying out an opportunity where a marketer feels like they can make an impact and utilize their skills quickly, that tends to land quite well in the market. But the salary piece is really, really interesting. We see a lot on LinkedIn about job adverts without salaries. And, uh, you know, people don't really address it. And I'm going to say something quite direct and potentially controversial. But a lot of the time when businesses put job adverts out and they say salary competitive, it's either because they don't know what they should pay because they haven't done any market research, which if you go into our talent attraction guide, it's absolutely paramount that you need to do the research before you go to market with a role. So they either don't know what they need to pay or they know if they put that salary on there, they're going to upset some people internally who perhaps aren't benchmarked at the same level. And both of those are incredibly poor because you should know what you should pay a role before you go to market. And equally, the people you've already hired should be being remunerated in a, in a way that, that keeps them happy and is in line with the market. So I think the fact that we go to market with opportunities and tell people right out of the gate, this is paying between 70 and 90K with a 10% bonus and a 5K car allowance or whatever, it gives them that information that they need to you know, consider whether picking up the phone to me is going to be worth their time or not. Yes, I know there's a there's a huge um, discussion on LinkedIn about people that don't put the advert mm. the um, money on the on the job adverts, and it doesn't make any sense at all. Because as you say, if you're not if you're not paying your internal people the right amount, then mm. you, you why would you do that? I don't understand yeah. why companies would get themselves in that position. Mm. It does happen a lot, and like I said, I also think that it's it's the fact that they don't know. Like we 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 have countless clients that come to us and say we need a head of marketing. And I'll say, okay, what's your salary bracket? And they say, we don't know. And I'll say, okay, that's fine. Will you tell me what you what you want and what you need? But let's build this profile together, and I'll tell mm -hmm. you what I think that person will cost in the market. And nine times out of ten, they trust us. We work on the position, we find them the talent, and everybody's happy. So that's okay. But I don't think putting a job advert out when you've got no idea. I, I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that, to be honest. So I'm 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 with the candidates on that one. Adam, this has been incredibly useful to sort of get insights and information. Um, I did promise one last question about Oscar. Um, okay. Oscar in the office, how does that work? Oscar in the office. So for anyone who doesn't know, Oscar is my eight-year-old poodle. Bless him. Um, he looks like anyone who sees him may think he's a puppy. He's a little 10-kilo black poodle who's uh, incredibly well-groomed. Bless him. He's probably the, the best-groomed person in the office. But, he, uh, yeah, he comes to the office occasionally. He's... Um, He's kind of the head of happiness, really. He floats around and goes up to people and puts his head on their lap and jumps up at them when they're eating their lunch, which is probably not a good thing. But he's very interactive, bless him. And I'm obviously going to be biased because I love all dogs and I think my dog's the best dog ever. But Oscar is um, a very important member of the team. And anyone who wants to meet Oscar, pop in the office. He's here usually a couple of times a week. <laughs> yes, I noticed he has a, a profile on your About Us page, which I thought was oh, very sweet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he's the best boy. Adam Nichols, that was a really, really helpful and interesting oversight on uh, marketing jobs, marketing careers and what a marketing headhunter does. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College, training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.